Hi everyone, and welcome to Sustainability Export, a podcast where every week we interview leading professionals, thought leaders, and overall disruptive minds in the field of sustainability to share their views on the present and the future of the world through the prism of sustainable development. Today with us, we have Hege Barnes, Director, Regional Director Americas at Innovation Norway, passionate, involved and experienced leader, global growth strategy builder, sustainability-focused, creative thinker, connecting people with opportunities. Her favorite quote is, if you think adventure is dangerous, try routine, it's little. And I tend to agree. We will be talking today about the race to electrify, successful electric vehicle use cases, like the first a fully electric autonomous container ship, specific programs like private and public sector green shipping program, and the tips to achieve business success in the regions like California, where the governor's executive order requires all new vehicles sold to be electric by 2035. Not to keep you all waiting, let's dive deep into the world of green mobility that is waiting for us to be discovered. I'm ready to welcome our guest, Hege. Will Ferrell may have declared he's coming for Norway in General Motors Super Bowl ad, but Norway says they welcome the challenge. The small country has become a destination, a country that creates an attractive framework for testing new technology that will address and advance the United Nations sustainability goals. While the country has the largest market share of electric vehicles in the world, they want everyone to rally in the race to electrify and are eager to share the frameworks that worked for them. I'm ready to welcome my guest uh, with whom we will be talking about the innovations in Norway, the innovations that Norway pushes in the country and um, in the world, and we will focus on mobility in particular. Hege Barnes is my guest today for this wonderful episode. I am expecting uh, a lot of insights uh, to be shared today. I have uh, previously interviewed Hege's colleague, Gru, in uh, December it was. It was the last episode of 2020, and I'm extremely excited, super happy to welcome Hege on the podcast today. Hege, we will be talking about mobility and innovations the, uh, that Norwegian government and business entities and society and culture promotes in the world. But before we jump into that topic, I'd like you to introduce yourself a little bit more for the listeners, how you got to work with Innovation Norway and maybe a little bit in particular, your angle on sustainability. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, yeah, so my name is Hege Barnes, and I am born and raised in Norway, in northern Norway, but I've been over in North America for 23 years now. So I feel rather American in my mindset. But I came through to work through an innovation or through a passion of, uh, of discovering how I enjoyed working actually with 
with my country, you know, promoting my country. Uh, so I worked in both in the business development side, I have a master's in international business, um, but I also work for the tourism side, like promoting experiences in our country. Um, and I love that aspect of, of being able to, to tell a story of that is from your origin, but at the same time is the products, it's the services, and it's a mindset of innovation and creativity that you know and feel like you have a passion for and helping companies and people succeed in their journey to glow, grow and scale uh, their products abroad. So that's sort of the sort of the background of how I came to be and, and now being a regional director for, for Innovation Norway, which is the government entity for trade and industries, it's a huge sort of responsibility, but also phenomenal opportunity to do that. And particularly towards the sustainability angle, which is, um, and I, that's something I say, I'm, I'm proud of, of Norway and I'm proud of the industry and our government and our people for how far we've gotten. And that I think is the core of other thing. And that makes this such a, an honorable job is that in Norway, we have a philosophy that it's driven by the people. Is the people that need to want it. It's the local communities. It's everybody in, but we don't do this. Uh, well, not everybody, but it is communities, people, uh, smaller businesses, larger uh, corporates, local government, local city and municipalities that needs to want it. And they need to pull together to create stuff, to be a part of this. And that's how we've gotten a lot of the sustainability policies, incentives, initiatives, and local uh, business incentives, uh, business creativity and innovative products. These come through this sort of public private, uh, but people driven uh, process. And that is, that inspires me a lot. And that I feel like this, but again, this, this commitment as well as this honorable job that I just have to do. And I have to make this a success. So that's my passion. Right. Every piece of news I come across from that is coming from Norway, and I follow a lot concerning sustainability on LinkedIn. Every time I have the same thought, oh, that's smart. Oh, how did they come to, to do that? You know, so what's the key? What's the key to that innovation? Well, I think it's also driven by, by history. You know, in the early uh, 1900s here, we were one of the poorest countries in the world. And we live in a very uh, rough part of the world, in essence. You know, we're way up in Northern Europe. We have four very distinct seasons. We have a long country with tall mountains and, and large ocean, oceans, cold Arctic oceans. So we, it, it is gorgeous, but it is all, can also be challenging. And we had to survive. Um, so when we found oils in the late 60s, early 70s, you know, we started that whole sort of development of creativity. How do we take advantage of this? How do we use our harsh conditions? How do we use our natural surroundings to make this a profitable industry? So it was driven by a need and given an opportunity to sort of develop that. That plus that we've always been a so close to the oceans, we've been a ship um, building and seafaring country. You know, we traveled the oceans for centuries and we know how to operate in harsh conditions. So we started testing products and developing engineers and people that wanted to, and they knew how to take advantage of this sort of given natural landscape and had a curiosity to develop solutions and smart technical solutions and smart sort of innovative ways that you can take advantage of this uh, nature given uh, resource that we had. 
So the combination of, of, of need and opportunity, I think that put us in, in a unique position that we have developed very good technical skill sets in several areas, maritime, offshore wind, renewable energies, uh, traditional fossil fuels, to health technologies and all these different things that cross sectors, but that is funded by a um, basis of uh, technological innovations, of engineering, sort of the ingenuity of engineering. Right. Well, speaking of ingenuity and in a way revolution in mobility, electric vehicles, can you expand more about on the successful cases of uh, electric vehicles Um, promotion and you know cases like first truly electric um, autonomous container ships that was the news that I came across recently yeah uh, no it, it, it's actually also very exciting and as I said we sort of the maritime the seafaring nation and also we do a lot of phenomenal product development and innovative shipbuilding, ship technology, logistical sort of solutions on the maritime field. I got all that 10, 20 years ago, we started looking into how we can also get our, our transportation to be more sustainable. And, and with this driven, sort of I said, the, the incentives that came from the people as well as the government. And the government started saying, okay, let's get some, um, some incentives in place. So with incentives such as, as uh, lower taxes for electric vehicles, uh, driving in HOV lanes, free parking, free toll booth passing, all these things became more affordable and interesting for Norwegian people to own an electric car because owning and buying a fossil or a a diesel or gas driven car is expensive in Norway it's heavily taxed and petrol is very expensive so getting these incentives in place and the government looking into um, actually finding solutions to get people more interested and triggered in buying electric vehicles and Tesla coming in, seeing this opportunity. Okay, here's people with an incentive to actually buy an electric car uh, and use it. So it started with the government incentive. It became a trend. People wanted to do it and they see they could you know, basically less hassle in their life as they could use, use stage of lanes. They could pass through toll booths. They didn't have to stop and pay. So it, it became a combination of that. In addition to that, um, city governments, local uh, industries, clusters and networks started looking, okay, we need to make it easy to park. We need um, a charging infrastructure in place. You know, where do we put up different charging booths? How can we build and facilitate so that it's easier uh, with the whole sort of logistical process of drive, buying, driving, and using an electric vehicle. So you don't have to only charge it at home. Make it easy and affordable to basically use it. Um, and that whole redevelopment has just kicked off totally. Now we have parking garages with a, it built underneath the city, you know, where you can charge your car for free. You park there, we get the cars off the streets, we get a city sort of walking city, get cars off the street, and you get sort of free, par- free charging opportunity as well. So it combines a lot of these different aspects that is attractive to people. It's attractive to the community as a whole, you know, because you get cars off the streets, you make it easy, you make it affordable, and the logistics there. And you have like an innovative spirit to it as well. And where the ecosystem can come up with other solutions, other technologies, other ways of, of making the whole industry driving and looking forward. Sounds like so a people-centered government, you know? 
Yes. And I think it's also that that's exactly it is. And it's a people sent industry and initiative. And it's something that people get proud of as well, you know, and, and now it's 54% of all new vehicle bought in Norway is electric. Um, and, you know, we are only 5 million people. So in some, it's not that, but it becomes sort of that uh, positive uh, effect, that positive trend and this it is spread to the population. So more people want an electric car. It's, it's easier to use or drive than a, a diesel or gas-driven car. Has the country already thought about uh, the recycling of those batteries used uh, in the electric vehicle? Yes. So we, don't, we haven't found the ideal solution yet. This is the biggest conundrum at the moment. But actually batteries, a battery sort of recycling production, the whole life cycle of the battery is one of the biggest uh, incentives or initiatives from the Norwegian government at the moment. So we're trying to build up a whole new sort of sector, a whole new industry to manage and handle that. That's one of our biggest priority areas because we see that electrification of cars or, uh, or transportation in general, on, on water, underwater, on land, in the air. You know, we have our first electric plane supposed to come in less than 10 years, I think. So, so all this is it's both a big industrial opportunity, as well as we think that we have the skill set in Norway. And it is something that is a global societal problem that we want to be a part of solving. So it's a huge initiative uh, and a lot of innovative processes and funding being put to this so that we can build out the industry, we can build out the competencies, we can find the smart solutions, and we can work together with others to both, uh, to both bring in foreign investment and foreign competencies into Norway so that we can see how we can build up a global sort of uh, society and a community that can uh, help increase the value creation in Norway, of course, but also help the global society find solutions to solve this. I am thinking that you know I will not be surprised if uh, Norway even makes it circular, completely waste-free. The process of uh, creating batteries, recycling batteries, upcycling batteries. I'll be like, oh, that's uh, that's kind of expected. <laughs> Nothing new on this front. No, and that's why we're trying to, and, and as I saying, it's still a conundrum to figure that out. But absolutely, the whole circular economy. And I think that's sort of the biggest driver in all sectors these days, you know. Uh, some have really figured it out and starting to use food waste or, or fabrics, you know, in, in the full circular uh, way. And, but for other areas, we, we still have a little ways to go. But, but this is with, with all like carbon capture. We have a huge carbon capture project that's going funded by the government as well to, to figure out how do we store it? How do we reuse it? How can we actually take out and extract all this and put it back into good use in other areas? So all this, as of now, it's more on the storage side, but it will be how do we actually use it? Reuse yeah, yeah. it. Reuse saw, and reuse it. Yeah, yeah I saw that news about carbon capturing somewhere in Norway. The question I cannot help but ask is how do we clone Norway in other countries of the world? <laughs> That's a very good question. Um, and we are, we are a very open society. You know, we have an open innovation system as much as we can. Uh, and we, we're small, but we, we're trying to share and we're trying to be out there. Uh, and we are part of a lot of these UN organizations. We are not an EU country, but we are in the economic development the corporation all. And I think we also need, you know, Norway has a need for more talent, more competency, more insight from abroad as well to come in to develop this. We don't know it all alone, 
but we have the processes. And I think what, what the world can learn is exactly what I've said, mentioned about this sort of people-driven or the open society-driven. There's a lot of trust in a smaller community and a well-functioning sort of society, as you know, right? So the, the public-private partnerships work really well together. We have funding mechanisms that are actually driven by sort of giving funds from the government to the industry themselves that are um, that are organized in clusters and networks and ecosystems that where the industry themselves are the driving factor. They learn and develop this. We are just the facilitators. We as in the government are the facilitators that can fund and support the right initiatives. But the industry themselves are the ones that know where the pressure is, where they need the fund, when you know where the challenges are, etc. Yeah. And then with that, we're also trying to get this message and spread it um, abroad as much as we can, also for, for, for our own interest, but also to get that inside out and attract foreign investments back home. With, and with foreign investments, the smart money comes also the smart people, the smart talents and the smart sort of communities that can be where you can share across global sort of ecosystems. And I think that's, we're working a lot on that, but it's also the biggest challenge. Again, being a small country, you know, our influence and knowledge is, is limited, but we try. Small but mighty. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. And we, we actually do have a royal visit that's coming up, first digital royal visit to California. And this is part of the topic. And, you know, we were looking into what is it that we can share and what is the need in California specifically. And they are electrifying their industries over there. You know, they have a goal of becoming carbon neutral and electrify all transportation within 2040, I think, or 2045. And that plus that they're looking at developing offshore wind to get more renewable energy sources. And that's something we have... A, great deal of experience in you know we know these topics we have a value chain we have supply chain uh, operators that can deliver into this we have larger operators developers that can help do this so we're seeing this this needs to be a topic but we need to have the dialogue what are they need and how can we match the competencies what do they have that we need you know so it needs to be this dialogue sort of dialogue forum if you want to the way you actually talk about this and match the interest and the needs in, in different societies that's how we can all learn that's how we can benefit and that's how our companies get an, an opportunity a door in to the market in california where they can sort of supply their competencies their skills their smart solutions and californians can do the same thing uh, to norway yeah so so we're trying in that way as well to see if we can open some doors and start some dialogues that's cool. You know, the topic of electric vehicles goes hand in hand with electricity itself. In Ukraine, yes. for example, we have a funny case. There are electric vehicles, but you charge them, charge them with the electricity coming from coal sources. Yeah. So it has to be, you know, it goes really in one ecosystem that you have to have a lot more alternative energy sources to make this extra industry as uh, mobility, electric vehicles mm. and electricity, they both have to be sustainable and clean and as much alternative and green as possible. How does Norway approach merging these two industries? Mm. So, you know, in Norway, we actually, electricity, we have an abundance of electricity. In Norway, we have a million and a half waterfalls. So we have hydropower. 
very, 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 we have a lot of water and we have an easy, a good way of extracting sort of water and using hydropower to uh, produce electricity, uh, which is a, it's a reasonable way of doing it. So all our electrification, most of our sort of, you, you mentioned the Arabitkelon, the big container ships, we do see a lot of these things that can be run on hydropower, right? And we're looking into how can you extract that into hydrogen and ammonia, like there's some development on ammonia, using ammonia as a, a renewable energy source. So we, 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 we're taking the experience that we've seen with, with the hydropower, how we've taken that, extracted that, how we can use that, how you can get the electricity how you can do electricity, how you can further that, the, sort of the processes of extracting that into other sources. So for us, it's been be using what we know, you know, what we have an abundance of, what we have internally. And we're actually exporting electricity, but now we're seeing how can we sort of use that for our own development, you know, for the industry. And I think that's different, you know, definitely based on where you are in the world and what you have. Uh, and I think a lot of this is also learning of, of taking advantage of the natural resources that you have yourself or can get easy access to or have a processing system or a infrastructure that, that can put that into the most efficient um, use. Yeah. Wise, yeah, wisdom in itself. Could you tell me more about the green shipping program and specific programs like this, private or public? Yeah, so the green shipping is something, anything with green sort of technologies, and we often also call it sort of the green blue technologies, because it's based on the blue maritime fields mm. uh, and green sort of smarter solutions for that. But it's all again driven by, that's driven by the people, but it's initiated by the government. So they have said that we need all sort of transportation on water to be a zero um, carbon emission or renewable Yes. But basically it is saying that we, oh, anything that travels on water, on land as well, the city of also has a, a zero carbon policy by 2040, I think as well. And the same is on water. I actually think that's 2030 because we're moving so rapidly in the development of, of renewable electric and uh, hybrid solutions for, for the transportation of water. So, so this is anything that is being built or used or run on our uh, oceanways should have less carbon emissions or zero carbon emission over time. We have actually by, which is, I'm going to look at it, in four years, in 2025, any vessel or ferry that runs on our fjords in the western parts of Norway that are UNESCO World Heritage protected, they need to be as have zero carbon emission, you know, so they need to run on electric or hydrogen or something else to be able to operate in the fjords. And we're looking at the, you know, container ships because they, they're trying to move a lot of the uh, transportation of cargo from the roads and over to the waterways as they see a shifting, for example, this Yara Birkeland, which is the world's first, that's also trying to be an autonomous ship. You know, there's zero emission. In a couple of years, they expect it to be fully autonomous, operating shorter distance on our, along our coast, uh, fully autonomous. But they're seeing that shifting the uh, transportation of cargo from the roads to the ocean, that is like a reducing diesel-powered truck transport by around 40,000 journeys per year. So that's quite big. And that's the whole initiative. It's, it's to get that in effect. 
and we have both the shipbuilding yards in Norway. We have the supply chain that delivers the different parts and the logistic report, including our ports handling. So getting the whole maritime industry to shift in this direction to work with, you know, having all the electric or renewable sort of energy sources available to, to charge in ports on the water, as well as the whole sort of port infrastructure logistically. And also then, of course, it's also making this an export good for us as well, you know, so that we can both sort of sell our smart solutions and the ship and transport our, our goods in a sustainable way. It's publicly initiated, it's uh, government supported, and it is industry financially viable. Uh, so we're seeing that it's, it's going to be a big new industry for us. Or it, it is an industry, maritime is an industry, but the green maritime industry is going to be a, we, we foresee that as one of the bigger growth areas that we have. Yeah, that sounds super futuristic. And I wanted to include a, a little note for anyone who listens to us. If you are looking where to be in sustainability in the next five to 10 to 15 years, maritime, green maritime yes. industry might be your place to shine. Definitely. And I think green maritime is also goes for a lot of industries. You know, it's also like we're looking at offshore wind that we talked about earlier here. That is a huge area. They need ships, you know, going in and out, ferrying in and out, both from getting the electricity in back to shore. They need to transport people and cargo and all. So there's a lot of things where the maritime industries have crosses over in addition to shipment of goods and people, you know, from A to Z. And the people transport is also very interesting because it gives for more re- enjoyable experiences when you are on board a, a quiet electric or hydrogen driven ship versus a diesel engine that is pretty loud when you're on a uh, on the ship trying to enjoy the beautiful scenery around you. A hundred percent. Hege, what would be your tips to achieve success in regions that are you know, required by the legislation to have new vehicles sold to be electric by in California, for example, by 2035. That gives us another 14 years. And well, I assume I other countries of the world, other regions of the world will be following mm. the lead sooner or later. So what, what yeah. would be your tips and tricks for the business success of these initiatives? Well, I think if you look at California, in particular, if you look at LA, for example, and, and, and an issue that we also saw here in New York City, we actually have had a delegation coming from New York City to Norway to look at charging, you know, the logistics of charging. In New York City, it's all um, uh, privately owned buildings and it's traffic congestion, you know, the cars are wrong. So you can't just stop and charge, you know, everywhere. So all these logistics of finding out if you want people to run electric cars, you need to make it easy. You need to make it easy to, to just jump in your car and drive or need to go where, or to go where you need to go uh, and not having to plan, oh my God, okay, so I got 20 minutes of, you know, of power left, I need to charge there, you know, so that the logistics of planning uh, becomes too complicated. That said, and then I also believe that incentives, you need to tell the story. You need to tell the right story. Why are we driving electric cars? And then you need the right incentives to also help making it affordable. You know, in, in the US, it's also uh, rather expensive or more expensive often. It's getting better now. GE is starting to launch a lot of their cars. So it's getting the price level is going down. Um, but it is the, the make it easy 
for people to both buy a car, make it affordable, make it also easy to charge and use it and have the right incentives in place because to get them started. And that's what getting started in Norway, you know, a lot of these incentives will eventually evade and, and sort of evaporate and, and go away, but make that a trend, make it easy to use and make it um, understandable for people. And it is, it is a logistical sort of challenge that bigger cities in particular need to figure out, you know, how yeah. do we charge it? How do we, whether we park it efficiently and all that. So, um, so I think there's, again, it's some learning of, of the needs. So from the public versus the opportunities from the government to, to initiate it. And then, you know, having sort of a pressure on timeline, it's, it's always good because you need to make it happen. And then, then I would also say, get the industry involved because it's the industry that innovates. It's the smart tech, well, engineers and, and people that have the solutions that are in the driving seats, you know, they are the ones that need to make it happen and, and can make it happen, you know. Yeah. There is hope for the future. And I like that it evolves while, while we speak, you know, it's yes. so fast that I'm like, oh my God, I cannot believe I am witnessing in my lifetime the change mm -hmm. that uh, I am witnessing. Yeah. But I also want to say one thing, and that's sort of helping the environment. It's also, we're not like just looking at personal cars. We're looking at buses, you know. Uh, Norway and also just bought a hundred new electric buses. And I think they have, a, they have two, three hundred buses. And also it's a small city of 600,000 people. But all through the countries, we end up buying more and more electric buses. And, you know, the buses they drive back to a depot. And then you just have charging stations there. So it's buses. It's bigger sort of the um, subways and all the other sort of mass transportation that also can be more efficiently and yeah. <laughs> renewably run. Yeah. A good point. I... Uh... Literally yesterday, I saw um, an infographic from Ellen MacArthur Foundation, which stated that 92% of time, the cars in Europe are parked. Yeah, because most people live in bigger cities, you know, and you don't really use it that much. But, but the, it's, can you imagine how many buses they're running around? Diesel buses and all spreading a lot of... Uh, but the pandemic, pollution. but... Yeah. <laughs> That has actually been a good thing. That's that's the only or one of the few good things that come out of the pandemic. You know, it I think the environment has enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah, a little bit. I hope so. Or rather, you know, we have um, flipped from one emissions to another sort of emissions. If we're not using the transport, yeah. we're using deliveries and uh, over consuming the plastic and over producing the plastic and masks and gloves and the list right. can go on that and on. You're absolutely right. That's a other concern. That's a growing concern, actually, through this, yes. But I definitely love that it advanced and accelerated the digitalization of work. For example, we are having this conversation on the podcast, being in overseas, how do you call it, from different sides of the ocean. Yeah. Uh, if we would still continue, like, no, we have to meet, let's fly to somewhere um, mm. to sit together for a couple of hours. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad how um, it's developing a lot, of, a lot of possibilities yeah. to express yourself are out there because mm. it has been tremendously accelerated by, by the pandemic. Mm. But yeah, 
Yeah, no, but I do believe I 100% I agree with you, but I do miss and I do believe that people needs to meet. And that's how we actually share and we uh, increase our understanding of cultural differences. We understand our, we, we have to meet in person. You have to experience something uh, firsthand to really understand things. And, and we're seeing a lot of things happening in this world that's not so positive because we're just surrounded by like-minded people. And if you really want to look at innovation and including in sustainable developments, you need the different mindset to come together. You need different cultural understanding and these social, political, everything needs to sort of come into a big mishmash. And then that happens when people meet, when different minds come together from different viewpoints. So that, that is something to look forward to. And with a more sustainable way of, tra of traveling, transportation on water, underwater, on land, and in the air, the airline industry is making progress. It's smaller planes, smaller distances, but electric airplanes in 20 years might be the norm or with biofuels or something else. So I am a firm, firm believing in science and innovation and research. So. Yeah, and people... hopefully the smart minds of the students of today, of the innovative clusters and and, uh, and and clusters is also the networks of people coming together again. Those things gives me hope. Wow, yes. I I cannot add anything to, to these beautiful words. Apart from one thing, uh, my Estonian friend uh, would say, people need to smell people. Yes, <laughs> I so agree. I so agree. Yeah. And I miss that. I miss meeting people. I have to admit that. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Well, to wrap up this interview, it has been an amazing conversation. I'm glad we managed to sit together and talk. I usually ask my guests to provide one piece of advice for the listeners of this podcast. What would be yours? My advice, I think it would be never stop being curious and, and, and also definitely grateful in, uh, in, because we're in a tough uh, situation, but believe in science, believe in innovation, believe in yourself and always be curious because if we stop being curious, nothing will be created, nothing will be invented. And we've gotten so far in this world based on that. So keep on being curious, keep on moving forward. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was amazing. Thanks for being with us here today and for listening to this episode. This was episode number 89, season 8 of Sustainability Explored. If you like this podcast, please consider subscribing, rating and commenting on the platform you're listening on. We are now available on 77 plus platforms so there is a lot of space for you to to explore <laughs> we would very much appreciate your feedback and we know that it will most certainly make us very very happy if you have something to share with me or our guest hege please don't hesitate to let us know via linkedin uh, i will leave the links to our linkedin profiles in the show notes Yes, again, if you like this podcast, please leave a review, rate, comment on the platform you're listening on. Uh, your review, your comments, your stars will help other people discover this podcast and educate themselves on the matters of sustainability. Thank you once again for listening. And until next time, next Thursday, take care, stay sustainable. Bye-bye.